Our sermon passage this morning comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is God's word. We have a mission uh, that, that goes beyond our selfish preferences or desires. Uh, and part of that mission is to see young men trained up, raised up and trained uh, to be faithful proclaimers of the word of God and pastors and teachers and church planters and leaders in all of these churches we want to plant. And so I've been praying that God would bring young guys that we could train toward the work of church planting and pastoring. One of those guys that God has provided is Tony Ellswick. Tony and his, his wife, Amber, uh, Amber was in our youth group about 15 years ago or however long ago it was now. Uh, I was able to, I had the privilege of performing their wedding ceremony a number of years ago, and they have moved here in the last couple of years to be with us. Tony's training for seminary, in seminary, training for pastoral ministry. And so I've asked him, he's a candidate for ministry in our presbytery, which means we are obligated and, we, and it's our delight to give him opportunities to kind of develop the craft of preaching among us. And so he's going to come this morning and preach to us. Now, listen, listen. My friend Jamie, watch my face for just a minute, okay? This is Tony's first sermon, right? Ever, okay? So here's your job this morning. Your job, your job as the congregation is to make him a great preacher. And here's how you do that. You lean forward, you take out your pen, you get ready to write a lot of stuff down. Doesn't matter what it is, (laughs) right? Write it down. Smile, nod, you know, facial expressions and gestures would be greatly appreciated, okay? And this is part of the strategy. We're going to have these guys who are not very experienced in preaching up here because we believe that if they get the, we, we, we believe part of our job is to take young guys and to make them great pastors. And that's what we're, that's, that's a part of what this morning is about. So it is my privilege. Tony, we're very excited to hear from you this morning. Uh, you uh, also lean, remember, lean in, okay, and then afterwards find him and shake his hand and tell him great job. Don't be like my my friend Timo preached one time at a church, and and one of the old kind of old crusty guy came up to him afterwards and shook his hand and said, "Nice try." <laughs> okay, none of that, none of that today. Okay. Now's the time to be encouraging to a young guy who's obviously probably nervous, uh, but I believe with all of my heart that God is on us, that God is, the Spirit of God is moving in his life, and that this is part of what God's calling him to. And so, Tony, please come and preach to us. He was there with Jonathan. Ooh, hey. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, yeah. 
So he was there with Jonathan and some other guys, and they were talking about a church that one day they wanted to plant. And so it is a great honor to be a part of that now, years later, and seeing what, what God is doing through Drew and Jonathan. And thank you for the opportunity to bring the message today. So our text today is in Acts 1. And what has happened is Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's with the disciples on the Mount Olives. And the disciples, they've got to be feeling pretty good right now. Because they still have this dream that Jesus is going to overthrow the Romans and institute Israel. And uh, they got Jesus on their side, and he just beat death. Now, I've never served in the military per se, but I have played some pretty realistic video games. So, <laughs> so I feel like I'm speaking of experience when I say when you go into battle, you want the guy who can't die on your side. And so they're feeling pretty confident. And so they're standing there, and they're probably thinking in their minds all the reasons why they're going to be Jesus' number two, probably feeling bad for the other disciples who didn't quite make that cut. And they come to Jesus, and they say in verse 6, Are you going to now restore the kingdom? And Jesus' response probably surprised them. He said, It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, at first glance, it may appear that Jesus is just brushing aside their question and going on changing the subjects. As if evangelism and his return are two separate things. It's like they come to Jesus and say, when are we going to see you again? He's like, don't worry about it. I'll see you when I see you. Here's a box of tracks. Go to the mall, hand them out. Just keep yourselves busy and I'll be back one day. But... But I don't think that's what he's doing. I think what he's saying is, if you want my kingdom to come, you need to go take the gospel out to the nations. And I think that because of Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, Jesus is looking out, and he's speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem. But he's, he's looking past that also at his second coming. And he says in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So you see, the end will come when the, when the gospel goes out to all nations. And this, this is what the disciples were excited about, the end. Now sometimes we don't get excited about Jesus' second coming. I know when I was even a little younger, you know, I wasn't really looking forward to that. I wanted to get married, wanted to have kids, wanted to watch Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogies. But, uh, but now that I'm a little older, a little holier, have kids, seen the movies, yeah, I want Jesus to come back. I don't even mind that I might miss his next two Hobbit movies. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And I'll tell you why I'm okay with that and why the disciples wanted the end to come and why you should want Jesus to come back. Because when Jesus comes back, he's going to make everything perfect. When Jesus comes back, nobody will be diagnosed with cancer anymore because there'll be no more sickness. When Jesus comes back, nobody will feel the pain and sorrow of broken marriages or abusive parents because there'll be no more tears. When Jesus comes back, nobody will feel the terror and loneliness of lost loved ones because there'll be no more death. And all these days of sorrows will be washed away in endless days of bliss as we bask in the full enjoyment of God forever. And that is something to work towards. That is something to get excited about and to give our life towards. But as long as this world is broken by sin, 
things like what happened in Norway will continue to happen. And so what Jesus is saying is, if you want to end world hunger, take the gospel to the nations. If you want world peace, take the gospel to the nations. If you want to end all the suffering in the world, we have to take the gospel to the nations because this world is so broken by sin that only when Jesus returns will all things be made right. So Jesus says in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So we must ask ourselves, what, what is the gospel of the kingdom? And I think the answer is found in your um, worship folder in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-5. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. So the gospel of the kingdom is this, that Jesus died for our sins. And why did he have to die for our sins? Because, because we were guilty. You see, a few weeks ago, Casey Anthony was found not guilty by a jury of her peers. And, and almost immediately, a cry went out across the nation that a great injustice was done because the crime committed against Kaylee was not paid for. So the jury had the legal authority to declare her not guilty, but they did not have the authority to remove her guilt. When a crime is committed, justice must be done. And this is the same situation we find ourselves in with God because we have sinned against him and committed heinous crimes against him. We've committed murder in our hearts and adultery in our hearts, and every day we live in open treason against his rightful rule in our lives. And so the whole universe kind of cries out for justice against us. And because God is just, he must punish those sins. And so we find ourselves in a terrible position, guilty before a God who cannot, because of his justice, simply declare us not guilty. The sin must be paid for. And so Christ, whom we offended, came to earth lived a perfect life, and died for our sins, absorbing in himself the wrath of God, so that now, if we cry out for mercy and we turn from our rebellious lives, he will be faithful to forgive us. And when he comes again, he will be able to declare us not guilty because our sins have already been paid for. And this is the gospel that must go out to all nations. But let me also say this, that if you're here today and you've not responded to that gospel, if you've not cried out for mercy, then please do so. Turn, turn from your ways, repent and believe. And if you want to know more about that, find, find Drew or Jonathan or, or somebody else in the church afterwards and talk to them about that. But please don't, don't wait. So the must, gospel must go out for paradise to come in. And Jesus tasked all the disciples to bring it. In verse 8, Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we have to ask ourselves, what is our role in taking the gospel to the nations. I grew up in church. And the way that question was typically asked was that evangelism, personal evangelism, is the way to do it. And pastors, I heard pastors say things like this, that that you are responsible for every soul of every person that you come in contact with. And and that put a lot of pressure on me, you know, because now I'm not just ordering pizza, right? This is a gospel opportunity. So the pizza delivery guy comes to the door, and I'm thinking through trying crazy gospel lead-ins. I get the pizza. I say, great, this is still hot. You know what else is hot? 
hell. If you were to die today, so the pizza delivery guy runs to his car, tires screeching out. I can't get pizza delivered. Nobody's saved. See, we do a great disservice to the church when we try to fit every Christian into a type A confrontational mold. There are people like that, and that that is great, and we need those people, but not everybody is like that. And, And we should seek to share the gospel, but we should also seek to do it using the gifts that God has given us because he's given us each unique gifts, unique talents, and unique situations to spread the gospel and to build his church. Look what Paul says in Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the, given, the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, so what we have to do is we have to figure out what our gifts are. Then, then we've got to figure out what God is already doing to take the gospel to the nations. And then we have to brainstorm ways to fit our gifts into his mission. And so the first step is to figure out what our gifts are. And we don't need to over-spiritualize here. We don't have to go on a 40-day fast in the woods and wait for an animal spiritual guide to come and tell us what our gifts are. We just have to look and see what are the talents and the gifts that God has given us. A good way to do this is to consider what, what do you love doing already? What are you good at? Where is God already using you? Because he is. Where are you already bearing fruit? Because you are. Sit down with your, your spouse and your kids and talk to them about it. Get their opinion on what your gifts are. We had a baby not long ago, Nicolette. And when we did so, some of the women of the church brought us meals. And so I can tell you that for some of the women here, cooking is not just a talent. It is a spiritual gift. Because we're eating these food, this food and we're thinking, maybe we need to have another baby. <laughs> not because we want another baby, because we want this food. See, that, that's a gift that you can use to further the gospel. For others, you are great encouragers. And you just, you just have this knack for seeing hurting people, coming alongside of them and encouraging them to move on to newer and greater heights. And you might think that's common, but it's not. Because when I try to encourage my kids, a lot of times they end up crying. They're like, Daddy, why are you yelling at me? And I'm I'm not yelling at you. I'm encouraging you, just like Mickey from Rocky movies. <laughs> Others have great skill in business or medicine, and your business does well, and you make a lot of money. But you also dream about ways of using that money to further God's kingdom. And that's a spiritual gift. But we don't just find out what our spiritual gifts are. We also need to figure out how we can use those gifts to take the gospel to the nations. And so... We need to know what God is already doing to take the gospel to the nations. And that's why in your worship folder, I included two websites. The first one is the Joshua Project. And the Joshua Project is a a great website that has brought together all sorts of information about unreached people's groups throughout the world. And they have links on information about them. They have links to prayer groups. And it's a great place to go and see see who's not being reached already. And what do I need to do to maybe, maybe help that along? 
The other one is, is MTW, which is Mission to the World, and that's the PCA's foreign mission body. And they have a lot of great resources there, too. One of the things that I think is really neat about that website is they have links to all of the missionaries' websites throughout the denomination. And so what a, what's a neat thing to do is sit down with your kids, go through, click on uh, the links, see these people's websites, see what they're doing. We did that not too long ago with our girls, with the missionary in Peru who's flying a plane out to the middle of the jungle to take the gospel out there. And he had these, these great pictures of, of uh, the jungle and what he was doing. And so it was real neat for our, our little girls to be able to see that and to, to get excited about what this guy is doing over there. So please take time this week to look at those websites and dream about how your gifts can help them. Talk to your family and brainstorm, how can our gifts help these people? If you're an encourager, perhaps you could start writing emails to these missionaries because there's a lot of discouraged missionaries out there. Perhaps you could hook up your kids with their kids so that they could be pen pals or Skype pals or whatever the technology is these days for for kids. If you have the gift of hospitality, perhaps when you get together with people, before you pray for your meal, discuss a missionary. Talk about an unreached people group and pray for them as well. And of course, some of us need to consider whether we are called to actually go. But know that God has given us each gifts to get the mission done. And that means that he has given you gifts to get the, missions done, the mission done. You know, one of the best ways to affect the nations that's often overlooked is to build into the lives of the people in our, in our church right here. See, older men, we need you to come and to build into the lives of us younger men and teach us how to be godly men, how to be godly husbands, how to love our kids. Older women, we need you to speak into the lives of younger women and teach them how to love their husbands and love their children and be women of God. And what happens is, as the passion of younger people mixes with the wisdom and knowledge of older people, it's like a chemical chain reaction. And all of a sudden, people start popping up in the church who just really love Jesus. And some of those people who really love Jesus will hate the fact that people in the nations don't know about him, and so they'll decide to go. And so, so what just happened was, you using your gift here to disciple and mentor a person here has now taken the gospel out there. But in order to build into each other's lives, you have to get to know one another, and that's one of the reasons why the church has community groups. So if you're not a part of one, please consider joining one. Try out a few. Get to know some people. See, a lot of times we don't get involved in community groups because we think we don't need other people. But if we think that, we're really missing the point. Because first, we do need other people. But second, the other people need you because you have gifts. And without you joining into with us, we will be incomplete. So if we are going to get the gospel out there, we have to build into each other here. But before Jesus told them to go, he gave them a promise. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. He said, he's going to give them power, and that power is the Holy Spirit. And today, if you are in Christ, you have already received this power. You may not know that you have, but you have. The last Harry Potter movie came out about a week ago, and we went to go see it, and it was pretty awesome. But in the first one, he wasn't a powerful wizard. He was an awkward boy living with abusive family and living in a broom cupboard underneath the stairs in his uncle's house. 
And later he finds out he has this great power when Hagrid comes and gives him this letter. But he had the power all along. He just didn't know it. And some of us live our lives that same way, spiritually shutting ourselves up into broom closets because we don't believe we have the power to take down the dark Lord. But if your faith is in Christ, you already have that power. And that means that as we step out to use our spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit will give us boldness and also bring in results. Sometimes those results will be really happy. Like when Peter preached and thousands of people got saved. Sometimes, like Stephen, those results will be less desirable. Like when he preached and got stoned. But in both cases, the Holy Spirit gave him power and brought about the results that he intended. And so for the, for the Lord... Both of those situations were wins. Consider Acts 13, 47 through 49. Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch in Pisidia, and they preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And in verse 48, it says this, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. As many as were appointed to eternal life believed. You see what happened? The Holy Spirit gave them power in the message, and then he brought about his intended results. And that is our hope and our confidence that as we step out and we use our gifts to be his witnesses, he will work out his plan. Look at what Jesus said in John ten sixteen. He says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So, so there are sheep that are of this fold, but not of this flock. And Jesus intends to use us through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring them into the flock. So there are sheep not of this fold in Winter Haven and at your jobs. And we, we need to bring them into the flock. And there are sheep not of this fold all throughout Florida and in, in America. And we need, to, we need to bring them into the fold. And there are sheep not of this fold in England in Europe, in Uganda, in Africa, in Nicaragua, in South America, in China, in Japan, in Asia, in Australia. And we need to go and get them and bring them into the flock. See, because here's what we know. We know that Jesus said that he won't return until the gospel goes out to the nation. But we also know that one day he will return. So, so we know that at some point in time, the mission will be completed. Right now, there are approximately 16,000 unreached people groups. And that seems like a lot, and that can seem overwhelming, but it's, it's doable. And we could bang this thing out in our lifetime if we get serious about it. We could see Christ come back, but we must take action. So men, please, lead your families in this. Be intentionable, intention about assessing their gifts and your gifts and brainstorming ways with them that you can use their gifts and, and your gifts to do the work that the Lord is already doing to take his gospel out. Let's dream about the reality of what it means that we have received power. And let us go and be Christ's witnesses to the ends of the world. Because in doing that, in taking the gospel out there, we can bring his kingdom here. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have died for our sins and rose again. 
that you have promised that you will return and make the world new and better and end all our sufferings. Please let us know that we have received power and let us use that power to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Amen. See, now I'm going to have to struggle with jealousy all afternoon, Tony, because I've never gotten... I've never gotten applause like that. <laughs> uh, John Piper, who's a hero of mine in, in the faith and a, a spiritual um, leader to me, even though I don't really know him personally, he says uh, he has a book called Let the Nations Be Glad, which I couldn't recommend more highly to you as far as, as we continue to talk about in this series what it means for us to go to the nations. But he has a statement in that book. He says, uh, you cannot commend what you do not cherish. And the point he makes, the point he makes is that the, the, the reason we are so anemic in our evangelism is not, is not necessarily because we lack the skill or the ability or the confidence. It is we are anemic in evangelism because we are anemic in our affections for Jesus. I am a great apologist uh, for Seminole football. Um, because, it, because, it, it, I'm, I, because I have such great affections for it. Uh, and so one of the things that I think we have to repent of is, um, is uh, the lack of affection, the lack of cherishing of Christ in our hearts that leads to a lack of uh, evangelist and missionary, evangelism and missionary fervor in our lives. And so this song, uh, which Diane's going to play, and we're going to sing just where you sit, Fairest Lord Jesus, not only, not only meditates on his rule over all of creation, but it also calls us to that very thing, to a deeper cherishing of Jesus, to, to greater affections for him that would then in turn lead to a greater enthusiasm for the work that Tony's called us to. So let's sing this song together. So as you go, being sent by Jesus into the world, just as his disciples were on the Mount of Olives as he ascended uh, into heaven, he uh, said, go because I go with you, and that's the promise of the benediction. So the power for the mission is just this, that you go, not on your own, uh, but with the promise that Jesus goes with you, and that is the promise of the benediction. So receive the benediction then as we leave uh, to be sent by God out into the mission field, whatever it may be today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Go in his peace.